to grow together in, in his understanding and also to live out gospel truth. I'll bring you greetings uh, from Wichita Baptist Church. The saints there have been praying for you and we trust that together this evening we'll glorify our Lord and Savior. As a church, I understand you have been starting through a series titled, I Got Your Back. I Got Your Back. That is to say, when your back is against the wall, I got you. When you go through the storms and trials of this world, I got you. The series, it is based on the one another that is found in the scriptures, the one another commandments, how the local church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to treat each other, how we are to love one another, forgive one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, build one another up. The list goes on. It is endless. What we see with the one another commandments is that it forms the basis for all true Christians community. As you heard last week, that our relationship with one another reflects our relationship with God. This is what God has called us to do. This is what God has decreed as to how we are to live with one another. Tonight we study a one another command that is not easy to practice. It is a command that is not popular with the world. It is one of forgiveness. Forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, turn with me for a moment if you would. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, we read the following words from the Apostle Paul. He says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right in the offset, we see that the basis, or rather we see the basis as to why we should forgive one another. Because in Christ, God has forgiven us. And also you read the same words in the twin epistle in the book of Colossians chapter 3. The apostle goes on to say further in verse 13, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It is not an option. It's what God commands. Forgiving can be a hard thing to do, isn't it? So as we seek to study the teaching of forgiveness and desiring to forgive that God forgives. Let us seek his face in prayer. Father, indeed, this is love. That we are forgiven because you are forsaken. That, Lord, we are accepted because you were condemned. And so, Lord, we pray that as these truths are implanted into our own hearts, our Father, we would allow them to shape the way we live. Our Father, we will live out the truth of the gospel. 
But Lord, as the world looks onto us, they would know that we are Christians because of the love that we have with each other. And so Lord, we pray that you would work in our hearts. And Lord, you will produce that which is good and pleasing in your sight. And Father, you will give us hearts that are receptive to your word. And Lord, we will have the spirit to live out this truth. We pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This evening, as we study the art of forgiving like God, of forgiving like God forgives, we'll base it off Matthew 6, verses 12 and verse 14 to 15. That's Matthew 6, picking it up from verse 12, and then jumping all the way to verse 14 and 15. You may attend there with me, and if you are there, please give me an amen. 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 The words of Jesus Christ. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but, but God's word stands forever. One of the most powerful pictures or images in the New Testament is that of a man running. These days people run for all sorts of reason. Some people run to keep fit. Uh, some people run to lose a little bit of weight that they gain in youth ministry. Even presidents have been known to wear jogging suits. But in Jesus' world, the more senior you were in a community, the less likely you were to even walk fast. It shows a lack of dignity. So when Jesus told a story about a man running, this was designed to have the same effect on his audience as will experience if, say, your senior pastor came to church wearing a swimming costume. It is a, a total loss of dignity. But when we discover why this man is running, the effect is even more shocking. This man is running to welcome someone. To welcome someone that has brought disgrace to the family. Someone who has cursed, or rather who has put a curse on him. We call it the parable of the prodigal son. But it can equally be called the parable of the running father. And only when we understand why this man is running, will we truly understand what Jesus meant when he taught us to pray Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. As our translation will say, forgive us our trespasses, as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. We need shocking stories like the running father, because the world has either forgotten about forgiveness or devalued it, made it something less important. Once we replace morality, with the philosophy that says, if it feels good, do it. When there isn't anything to forgive, 
If you still feel hurt by something, our culture suggests that you should simply retreat into a small corner and pretend it didn't happen. In that sort of world, we say, I don't need God to forgive me. I don't need to forgive anybody else either. Instead of genuine forgiveness, our generation has been taught the vague notion of tolerance. This, at best, is a low-grade mockery of forgiveness. At worst, it's a way of sweeping the real issues in human life under the carpet. If the father in the story had intended Mary to tolerate the son, he would not have been seen running down the street to meet him. And so one thing that we need to know, that forgiveness is richer, higher, harder, and more shocking than we usually think. Jesus' message offers the genuine model to forgiveness and insists that we should accept no man-made substitute. So what is this model that Jesus uh, models out or wants us to know? Our passage for this evening is under the main heading, the pardon of God. The pardon of God, and in this we'll consider the phrases that we see. And the first one, the first phrase that we shall consider together, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. And even as we read that phrase, that phrase, we see that we have a problem. It's a serious problem. We are born into this problem, and if left untreated, it will kill you. This problem is sin. It's like a cancer, and it kills the soul. It's like asthma, choking out the very life force that you have. David recognized how far back his sin tendencies ran. In Psalm 51, he says, Behold, I was brought forth iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so when we pray, forgive us our trespasses, we need to be true with ourselves, that we are sinners. If we don't get it right, we mess up, and we fall short of God's glory. But also we need to be true to ourselves, knowing that ultimately it is God that we have sinned against. David, in this very same chapter of 51, makes mention of who he ultimately sinned against. And we know that this psalm is written as a result of Nathan the prophet having confronted David of, of a sin, after committing adultery with Bathsheba and making arrangements of murdering Uriah. David says in verse 3 and verse 4, For I know my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is wrong in your sight. Church, we owe our debt to God. We owe our debt to a perfect, holy righteous God. Our sins separate us from being in a perfect relationship with Him. In the Gospel, in the New Testament, we see that Jesus went from village to village throughout Galilee, 
announcing that the kingdom of God has arrived and that forgiveness of sin was happening. That God was transforming his people at last into the salt and light of the world. Jesus is the kingdom bringer. He's making an announcement that something is happening. And he is doing and saying things which explain that announcement and demonstrates that it's true. Forgiveness of sin is happening. Jesus forgave sin. He, he said to the child, My child, your sins are forgiven. Jesus sat down with tax collectors and sinners, acting out the open welcome that God extends. When he was challenged about this undignified behavior, he tells a story about a father who threw his dignity aside and ran down the road to welcome his disgraced son. Forgiveness is happening right under your nose. Forgive us our debts. This is a prayer to God. To remove the debt we owe, which we can never repay. And church, we know what scripture says, don't we? We know that the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are dead in our trespasses and sins in which you walk. For in the cause of this world, for in the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit that is now at, the, at work in the sons of disobedience. But God, the turning point, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us together, made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And so it is at the cross where Jesus, the Savior, once hanged and gave up his life that the forgiveness of sin might be granted to those who come before the Father and admit their shortcoming. Those who cry out, create in me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. No longer look at my sins. Completely remove and remember my sins no more. Brothers and sisters, those of you who have not experienced this grace, there is forgiveness at the cross. If you'd ask for mercy from God and that he would remove your sins, only he can do that. Ask him to wash you thoroughly from your iniquity and to cleanse you from your sins. He's able to do that. And you will find grace you will find forgiveness at the cross. And that will result to a true peace with God. And that peace is eternal. Nobody can take away that peace. A famous preacher once said this, looking at the forgiveness that God extends. When God forgives, you can send out a search party armed with a radar, infrared scopes, and satellites to take pictures, but they won't be able to find the sin that God has removed. As far as the east is to the west, 
So far has God removed our transgression. God's forgiveness is the cancellation of an unpayable debt that the sinner owes him. It is a blotting out, a complete removal of the guilt of sin. His forgiveness knows no bound. And it is through this understanding, through this understanding that we are sinners in need of God's forgiveness. And once we realize, once we recognize that God has forgiven us such a great debt, then comes the implication. So what now that you have been forgiven? What does it mean for you? And so this leads us to our second phrase. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There is no one that has never experienced injustice. Some of us have been robbed of loved ones or of material possession. Some of us have been abused whether by a person or a system. Some of us have been physically harmed and emotionally abused. At some point, all of us will face a great hurt that requires a great effort to forgive. An effort that we perhaps feel is beyond us. And so even in those moments, we ought to ask ourselves, why is it that we fail to extend forgiveness towards others just as God has forgiven us. The point here is that our experience of being, of being forgiven must result in a change of heart on our part and a willingness to forgive those who have hurt us in a far less way than we have hurt God. A renewed fellowship with God means a renewed fellowship with others in the church and community. It is not that our forgiveness is the basis of God's forgiveness, but rather as we have experienced being forgiven by God, being pardoned by God, we must exercise it in a greater willingness to pardon others. We are changed and strengthened by God's love, enabling us to have the enabling power to do it ourselves. Notice the tense of the words, as we have forgiven, as we have forgiven. It's a done action. This isn't saying that we do this in order to earn God's forgiveness, but rather it's a further statement of our loyalty to Jesus. Because we belong to Jesus, because we want to leave out our Christian witness to him. As he calls us to forgive, so we have forgiven. Not only must we forgive one another our sins and offenses, but the forgiveness would result to having no debts from each other. Not saying, remember what you did? I have not forgotten about that. You still owe me for the forgiveness that I extended to you. But the forgiveness that we are to extend has no price tag. It has no debt. 
This indeed is a clear meaning of the relevant word in Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God is at the heart of it all. God requires of us to forgive from the heart just as he has forgiven us from the heart. So in verses 14 and 15, Jesus re-emphasizes the importance of forgiving others, showing that there is a direct relationship between having been forgiven by God and the forgiveness that we, his disciples, must extend to others. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a prayer of restoration. When sin hinders our relationship with God. And you have come to know this. That sin, if left untreated, it will destroy a relationship amongst the closest friends. Thus the seriousness, the need to forgive. And so verse 4 tells us that those who forgive in the way highlighted in this prayer will find forgiveness themselves. Whereas those who do not forgive will not be forgiven. It is not that the act of forgiving earns an eternal reward, but rather it is evidence that we belong to the King. It is evidence that the grace of God is at work in our lives, in the forgiving person, that the same grace will bring him forgiveness in due course. Do you withhold Forgiveness. Do you withhold forgiveness? At times, I believe that we forget the grace that God has lavished on us. Looking at your own lives, you will find broken promises. You'll find hurt feelings, betrayals, harsh words, physical and emotional wounds. You can tell of stories of being hurt or victimized by another. Beneath the pain, beneath the wounds and the losses and the memories, lies the question of forgiveness. Will you forgive? C.S. Lewis writes, Forgiveness is a lovely idea until there is something to forgive. What do we do then? What do we do when there is something to forgive? Some will strike back and seeking revenge. Some will run away from life and relationship. Some of you will let the darkness of not forgiving paralyze you as you withhold forgiveness. I don't say this out of judgment. But I say this out of my own experience. I've done them all. I've withheld forgiveness. And I know how hard forgiveness can be. I too struggle with it. 
and often try to avoid it. But also I know that none of these are the answers or the way of Christ. All of them leave us stuck in the past, tied to the evil of another, and deprives us of the future that God wants us to have. It's like the African proverb that says, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. You end up hurting yourself. You end up destroying the relationship. Paul writes in Ephesians 1 verse 2 as we've read. And he says this as a command. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead be kind to each other. Tender hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When you have been the victim of bitterness, when you have been a victim of rage, anger, or any other sin, we have the obligation to forgive. Forgive each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. In other words, forgiveness is how sin-broken relationships are restored. That is how sin-broken relationships are restored. And only the forgiveness that counts is a kind which is an imitation of God's forgiveness. Richard Hoffer, in one of his books, illustrates how sin enslaves and forgiveness frees. As an illustration, he writes the following. A little boy visiting his grandparents was given his first slingshot. He practiced in the woods, but he could never hit his target. As he came back to grandmother's backyard, he looked at her pet duck. On an impulse, he took aim and he let loose. The stone hit and the duck fell dead. The boy panicked. Desperately, he hit the duck behind a pile of wood, only to look up and see his sister watching. Sally, the sister, had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. But Sally said, Johnny told me that he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, Remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the train wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help make supper. Sally smiled and said, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck. Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's, finally he couldn't stand it. He confessed to Grandma that he had killed the duck. I know, Johnny, she said, giving him a hug. 
I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. Because I love you. I forgave you. Because we love God. And we love each other. Let us forgive each other. Will you forgive? Because it is through forgiving that sin-broken relationships can be restored. There is a great need to forgive like God. Forgiveness that comes from the heart. Knowing that God will condemn you for eternity if you do not forgive from the heart. We who have been saved should be the most grateful people on earth. Because we have been forgiven much. And as the Lord's prayer reminds us, we are to extend God's grace to others. Forgive us our trespasses as we have forgiven our trespassers. The forgiveness we are called to offer is not based on a formula. It is not based on a law, but comes from what we have experienced an outrageous grace and forgiveness. And so church, I want to leave you with the following. Our forgiveness is grounded on the nature of God. We know what forgiveness is like. We know what God's forgiveness is like. Then copy it. Imitate it. The experience of being forgiven must make it possible for us to forgive. By living in God's grace, we find the strength to respond to others in grace, to offer forgiveness to each other and to those beyond the church. Let us daily seek for God's forgiveness and also to forgive that God forgives. And if you struggle with this, I implore you, go speak to your leaders, go speak to your pastors, speak to your mentor. Speak to someone mature in the church. Come speak to me even after the service. We will sit here all night long if need be. You are not alone. We got your back. Let's pray. The Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but who by no means clear the guilty unpunished. And so far, thank you. Thank you that at the cross we can find forgiveness. Thank you that at the cross, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave us His life that we might have fellowship with You. Help us, Lord, to seek daily. And above it all, Lord, grant us the strength to extend this forgiveness towards others. 
but we recognize and we know it is not easy. It is not easy to forgive when we experience pain. And so Lord, we pray that you will counsel our hearts even in those moments. Our Lord, you will begin to work in us and you will lead us to that point where we are able to extend forgiveness. Search our hearts, Lord. If we are holding back on forgiveness or have wronged someone, may we approach the individual and ask for their forgiveness. May we respond to our brother or sister with forgiveness. We rely on you to work in our lives. So Lord, supply us with the strength to leave out this kind of forgiveness that only comes from you. And so far we pray, as those who have had the veil remove their eyes and can see, that will reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is a spirit would help us, would make us more and more like him as we have been changed into his glorious image. And so Lord, may our lives be marked as ones that forgive. May this church, this community, be known, be known as a community that forgives each other, that loves each other, that builds each other up. And so, Lord, may they know, the world know that we are Christian by our love. Amen. Amen.